tonight. You don't have to carry that anymore. Your job is to be in faith. It's God's job to work the situation out. It's your job to be in faith. It's God's job to work it out. It's your job to be in faith. It's God's job to work it out. Amen? Well, obviously, I am not Pastor Gregory. Uh, His son is graduating from eighth grade tonight. So uh, that's where he is. If y'all don't know, he's modeling to us the importance of where we should put church. Church should not be put above family. So he's modeling that to us. That's where he is. He promises he'll be back in the pulpit on, on this upcoming Sunday. I wanted, I wanted y'all to know where he was. So y'all might like, is he on vacation yet? No, not yet. He's at a graduation. All right, so before you're seated, grab a neighbor, say your neighbor, hey, neighbor, it's all about God. It's all about God. Thank you, praise and worship team. Tell, him, tell another neighbor, it's all about God. Tell him, let God be the center of your life. Matter of fact, make God the center of your life. Get yourself off the throne. Ooh. Get yourself off the throne. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I want to sit down, man. I told him enough. Praise God. Praise God. Before we get started, I want to make sure I make a couple of quick announcements. Um, I know we're already seated, but I want you all to pray with me re- regarding a situation that just happened in our world last night. Let's bow our heads and pray related to this plane that's missing. I don't know if there has more details. So, Father God, right now, we pray for that plane that's gone missing, Lord God. We pray right now, Father, that they will be able to find it quickly, Father God. Even now, if there's someone who is clinging to life, Father, I pray that you will breathe life into them, Father God. Help the authorities find, give them wisdom on where to search, Father God. If there's anything that's done wrongly or unjustly, Father God, we pray that the perpetrators will, will be caught quickly in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we pray for our country. The United States of America, Father God, we pray for unity in our country, Father God. We know, Father God, there might be different people or media outlets that might be trying to tear us apart. But let us see as a country that we are yet people. We are yet the same beneath our skin, Father God. We all have the same heart. We all, our heart pumps with with blood, Father God. We're all one people. So, Father, we thank you for unity within the United States of America. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. I already told you all about Pastor Gregory. Uh, let's get into the word. So Pastor Gregory has been ministering, um, and then subsequently Minister Trish, related to every single Christian. And so he just asked me to, to stay in the same vein. And what I love about God is God is all about diversity, right? God is about diversity of thought, just as long as it's based upon his principles. So I can't minister every single Christian like Pastor Gregory would, but I'll just give you some things that God shared with me uh, on last evening and a couple of evenings before related to that. And I'll give the title in just a few moments. But we're going to turn to a couple of scriptures first. So please turn your Bibles with we, with me, not with we, to Matthew chapter 22. Let's start there. Matthew chapter 22. And let's get into the word. Thank you all for pressing your way. I know what traffic is like on a Thursday evening in, in the ATL. And most Thursdays, it is terrible. So do this. Give yourself a pat on the back for pressing your way out the service. You deserve it. You deserve it. You left your job or you made some of y'all may work at home and you pressed your way through traffic. Uh, so now that you're here, please be attentive to the word. I pray that your hearts are good ground for the word so you can hear what the word of God has to say. I'm going to give a couple of spiritual points 
and then a couple of practical points after I give the spiritual points. And it'll all run together, you'll see. So Matthew chapter 22. So talking about every single Christian, and I'm going to give you a perspective about this um, that, the, that, the, that God brought through his son, Jesus. So Matthew chapter 22, I'm going to start with verse 23. So um, and this is, Jesus was still on the earth at the time, and he's about to be asked some questions by, by the Sadducees. So verse 23 says, the same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no res- uh, resurrection, and asked him. So they're asking Jesus a question, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto, her, unto his brother. Now there were, us, there were with us seven brethren. The first, when he had married a wife, deceased, having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. So basically they're saying, they're basically tempting Jesus with the question about who is his wife supposed to go to if, if all the brothers died, all right? So, and so verse 27, and last of all, the woman died also. Verse 28, therefore in the resurrection, talking about when we are gone to heaven, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. It's an interesting question, right? So verse 29, and Jesus answered and said unto them, you do error, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Verse 30, for in the resurrection, everyone say in heaven, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. Everybody say, hmm. But are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. I want to go back and read um, the, most, the key point I want to stay on is in verse 30. And for the Amplified, it says, for in the resurrection, or meaning in heaven, um, in the resurrected state, neither do men marry, nor are, nor are women given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. All right, the title of my sermon is Unmarried and Unfazed. All right, so remember the whole point of this series is every single Christian. My title, subsequent point that we're going to talk about today, tonight is Unmarried and Unfazed. Let me define unfazed, or at least we'll give you the George Houston definition. Unfazed means not, um, how about Unfazed meaning calm, unruffled, unperturbed, untroubled, poised, relaxed. How about this? Unmarried and together. <laughs> meaning not together, living with someone. Together is you got your stuff together. Y'all will catch it in just a um, Unmarried but yet laid back. One of the common themes in a church today is that oftentimes the singles feel like they're lacking something or feel like they, they can feel like they're missing something because they're not married. But yet we're going to see from the word of God today that we are, that we are those that are, of us who are single, should be, if we're unmarried, we should be unfazed by that. We shouldn't have to, we shouldn't carry this weight or maybe, uh, y'all remember the, what was that? We shouldn't carry this thing on our chest that says S for single. It's not like a, a weight around our neck if we're single. But yet, we are still supposed to be unfazed. Our, our center should be Jesus. So point number one about this is, I want you all to realize this point that Jesus is saying. And once again, Jesus, who was once in heaven, 
before he came down to the earth, said that in the resurrection, there is no marriage. So point one is, when we get to heaven, we won't be married. How many of y'all have never seen that before? In heaven, God is not worried about who we're married to. It, it, it even goes so far as to say, there's not even male or female. We'll be as the angels. So the point I'm making about that is, why are we so worried? Well, why, why does Satan try to get, look at that, um, look at that balloon right there. So I just saw that. You see that? <laughs> Somebody got scared. What now? It's a balloon. Someone let's go. Anyway, sorry. Got distracted. <laughs> Point one. All right, let me go back. Point one. When we get to heaven, God is not going to be concerned about, we're not going to be concerned about who our, our wife or husband was on earth. So what am I saying? Why worry so much about this state of being married when when you get to heaven, the longest span of time we're going to have, it's going to be so great, you're not even going to be worried about who your wife on on earth was. That's what he said. He said, in the resurrection, heaven, (laughs) let me read it exactly, so I don't want to misquote it. In the resurrection, he says in verse 30, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So, let's, so in order to best understand it, let's go back and think about why God created marriage. Remember when he created Adam and Eve, he said, go ye and replenish, right? So one of the points of marriage was to replenish the earth. Obviously in heaven, we don't need to be replenished. Heaven doesn't need to be replenished. We won't be procreating in, in heaven. Amen? Another reason for the institution of marriage was God wanted marriage to be um, symbolic of his relationship with the church. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. So if you're taking notes, which I pray that you are, thank you for putting it on the screen. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. So it's almost like, you know how we talk about money, how we shouldn't be so um, caught up in the pursuit of money. When we, when we die, we can't take any of that with us, right? Same thing with our spouses. When we die and are raised again, we're not taking our spouse with us. Will we know them? Absolutely. But heaven is going to be so great. <laughs> All right, I, I am a dude, right? I can't even, can I say that, Lord? I am not going to say that like that. Now, some of y'all might get offended. <laughs> no, I will say it. All right, when we get to heaven, it's, it's going to be, the, the praise and worship will be so great that we won't even worry about the physicality of marriage. Y'all know what I'm saying? I put that pretty nicely, didn't I? Because it's going to be so great worshiping God. And and that's the thing about marriage. That's the thing about heaven and that the Bible talks about the throne room. And I don't, the biggest building I've ever been in was a Georgia Dome. And I was there one time, there were 70,000 people there and they were all cheering. Think about, the, the Bible talks about there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in the throne room worshiping. And that the light of Jesus lights up all of heaven. It's going to be so great. We won't even be concerned about, yeah, that, yeah, hey, that was my wife right there. Praise God. Let me go back and worship. It'll be so great. But what I'm saying is you can't take this person with you. Trying to comfort those that might be unmarried. Marriage is only, so point number one is marriage is only an earthly institution. It's only an earthly institution. 
All right. Um, all right, point two. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Actually, let's turn with Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. I've piqued some of your interest, I can tell. Like, y'all thinking, where is he going with that? Isaiah chapter 54. Unmarried and unfazed. I did grow up in, and part of my life I spent in the East, in East Texas, which is, um, really, it's, it's the country. And whenever someone wanted to do something so bad, the old folks used to say, that person is horsing to do it. You ever heard the word horsing? Never mind. All right, I keep forgetting I am in the city now. But be, understand that, yes, marriage can be great, but marriage can also be bad. If you do it in the wrong context, if you're rushing to do it, if you overlook some things about this person um, that after you're married, you begin to see. Uh, I've heard some ministers say over, over time that um, dating is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. Uh, <laughs> notice all the marriage was like, mm-hmm, interesting. Uh, praise the Lord. All right, so Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5. For thy maker, notice maker is capital, for thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall be called. I'll read it one more time. I read it fast. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall be called. All right? I'm um, going to step there. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll take you to point after I read another scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Unmarried and unfazed. Point one was marriage is only an earthly institution. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And if anyone knows what, what heaven is like, it would be Jesus because he was there. He came down and told us about it a little bit. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. I still wrote that down wrong. Interesting. All right, yes, I did. All right, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 says... Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with, bear with me. Verse 2, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. This is God talking to us. For I have espoused you to one husband. Interesting. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. My point, too, is for you all, we saw in those two scriptures that Jesus is our bridegroom, or Jesus is all of our, and guys, don't get it weird, Jesus is the husband of the church. The Bible calls the church another place. The Bible calls the church the bride, all right? And so the point I'm making is whether we're single or whether we're married, whether we have a husband or not, God, Jesus himself, is our husband, all right? And, but what's so important about that? Your provision is not tied to anyone but God. Your provision, your, your success, your level of success is not tied to who you're married to. So your life shouldn't be in a broken state because you're unmarried. Remember, unmarried and unfazed. So whether you're single or married, you have to know that my, and I, I'm saying this from a guy's perspective, I'm trying not to say it from a guy's perspective, but the one that's providing me my resources is God through his son Jesus. I talked on Sunday about the blessing, and we, we, we read in Galatians chapter 3 that because of Jesus, we have access 
to the blessings of Abraham. So my point too is that Jesus said that he is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. So if you are in an unmarried state, can I be honest with you? You don't have anyone else in the way who may distract you from, from the pureness of the blessing that's provided to you from God. There is no one to block that. The Bible tells us in another place that the, uh, the husband, if, if, if you've married someone who is uh, unsaved, that because of the wife's lifestyle, she can win the husband. I'm telling you, I've, we've counseled people, that's not fun to be married to someone who's unsaved. But when you're unmarried, there's no filter between you and God. Amen. You're not trying to pray someone through. I got what I'm saying? You're married to God. You're married to Jesus. He is your sole provider. Actually, for us married folks, truth be told, I can't meet all my wife's needs. Can I give you a secret? She can't meet all mine. I'm getting ahead of myself here. God gave me this sentence. He said, I'm getting way ahead, but it's way, it fits right here. I want to make sure I read it exactly. He said, the blessings we have are not tied to our marital status. The blessings we are to have are not tied to earthly marriage, but heavenly marriage. The last point, your ability to succeed has little to, has little to do with your marital status. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Let me explain a little bit further what I mean by this. So because we're married to Jesus then we know we have access to the blessing of Abraham. Let's go back and read a little bit about this blessing because I want to, I want to drill home the fact that we are to be, un, for those of us who are single, unmarried and unfazed, not worried about, Lord, why haven't you sent my husband? Lord, why haven't you sent my wife? Lord, why am I missing a piece of my life? That's not the approach he wants, he wants us to have. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. I'm sorry, it's wrong scripture. Genesis chapter 12. Excuse me. Genesis chapter 12, please. Verse 1. So point two was Jesus is our bridegroom and the church. All of us that believe in Jesus, we are the bride. So him being in that role, he is obligated to, to provide for us. And he tells us that we have access to the blessing. So in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Notice nowhere in there did he say, if you're married, I will make thee a blessing. Notice nowhere in there did he say, if you are a spouse to the right man, I'll make your name great. Verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee. What's that have to do with your husband or wife? Nothing. And curse them that curse thee. Oh, Lord. God will curse your haters. <laughs> and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I'm just showing you all that if we are unmarried, we're to be unfazed. Unfazed by your marital status. The most important thing we can have is access to Jesus and we can have access to Jesus and through the blessings of Abraham through Jesus, regardless of our marital status. Your success is not tied to your marital status. Not at all. Huh. 
Turn with me to John chapter 10. I like this scripture right here. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 9. Once again, point one was marriage is only an earthly institution. Point two, Jesus is the bridegroom. The church is the bride, meaning Jesus is who we're married to. John 10, verse 9 says, Jesus is speaking once again. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Everybody say hallelujah for that. Hallelujah. <laughs> we don't have to go to hell. All right, shall men be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Notice, he's, given a, a, he's talking about this from an agriculture perspective. Think about uh, a, a, if a cow or if sheep find pasture, that's provision. Am I right? Verse 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Notice there is not a clause in there that says those that are married might have life more abundantly. Unmarried and unfazed. So whether I'm married or I'm single, I am supposed to dominate. Dominate. But why is it then that so many people, men and women both, are waiting until they meet someone before they launch that business? Why are they waiting until they meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright before they really start seeking God's call for their life? Why are they waiting for something in their life to happen before they truly seek God? It's fear. Fear. Once again, your ability ability to succeed has little to do with your marital status. In some cases, if you marry the wrong person, it will greatly hinder your ability to succeed. As a matter of fact, you can actually take more, quote-unquote, risk as a single person. You have more freedom to do exactly what God called you to do as a single person. As a married man, if I want to do something different, if I want to sell the house, if I want to change schools for our our kids, or if I want to change professions, I got to go run it by my wife. Maybe she's on board, maybe not. What if she isn't on board? She said, take it to the throne. (laughs) Or vice versa, as a wife, if your husband says, okay, babe, we're moving to Texas. All, all your family say, we too close to your family. <laughs> your mama coming over to the house too much. <laughs> what you going to say? You have a decision to make then. Whether you heard from God or not, in that role, either you get to move with him, or you're going to be like, deuces. <laughs> all right, somebody else, deuces means bye. All right. Hopefully you will not say deuces if your husband asks you to move across state lines. (laughs) Is that point clear? I want you all to make sure our success is not tied to our marital status. All right? All right. Now, let's go to some practical points. I want to ask you you all to raise your hand um, if you're single or not. But there are some, anytime I study a topic, I like to ask God questions. So one of the questions I was asking God was like, okay, Lord, I've been born again for, for a while. I've been in a church like this, and we were at once at 
uh, FCC. And when I first, when we first moved to Georgia, my wife and I had been dating for two months when we first moved there. And 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 now from 1998 through 2016, I guess that's what 18 years. Wow. Yeah, 18 years. And so I've got a chance to see, like. Like the single people now who are young and single, I was once like that. And now 18 years later, we, our circle of friends, some, a lot of us got married. And I've had a chance to watch people walk through life. You know, so I'm kind of looking back at some, I'm looking back through 18 years. And I ask God this question, Lord, why is it that, that and I might say this from a, from a female perspective because we have more females in the room. Father, why is it that some females have been able to find one, two, three husbands and some haven't been able to find one. Why is it that some females have gone through one or two or three divorces? I'm, that's not good. But yet, they still find somebody else and others can't find any. Aren't those the valid questions? Some of y'all might ask yourself that question. All right, so Chris, here's, I want you, if you are unmarried, ask yourself this question. Are you lovable? Are you lovable? <laughs> Isn't that a good question to ask yourself? Huh. Are you lovable? Y'all are pondering that one, boy. It got quiet. Go ahead and write down your answer, yes or no. Are you lovable? Even us married folks, <laughs> are we lovable? Or are we causing our, our spouses to pray in, the, in their prayer closet extra time every day? Like, Lord, why did I make this mistake, Lord? No, I'm sorry. All right. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you love yourself? Your self-worth is not based on what someone says about you. Your self-worth is based on what the Word of God says about you. (laughs) All right. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Are you lovable? Deuteronomy chapter 28. So as a man, I, I only base my thoughts about myself on what the word of God says. If I'm waiting for my wife or my mom or the world to tell me how great I am as a man, as a, as a Christian man, I'll be waiting a long time. If you're waiting for someone to come by and give you a compliment for you to base your self-worth on that day, you may be waiting for a long time. But your self-worth, your value has to be derived by what the Word of God says. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13 says, And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hast, if thou Hearken to the commandments of the Lord, thy God, which I command you this day to, to observe and to do them. I just want to give you one example of how God looks at you. God says, I will make you the head and not the tail. I will make you above and not beneath. Huh. <clears throat> one of my favorite authors I like to read from, his name is Dale Carnegie. Um, he's, written a lot of, he's written a lot of good books. One of his, uh, my favorite books is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he, he had this quote. It says, he says, it isn't what you have or who you are or where you are 
or what you are doing that makes you happy or unhappy. It is what you think about it. I'll read it again. It isn't what you have or who you are or where you are or what you are doing that makes you happy or unhappy. It is what you think about it. Quote number two. Every, everybody in this world is seeking happiness, and there is one sure way to find it. Your happiness is controlled by your thoughts. Of course, that lines right up what the Bible says. The Bible tells us to, to not think on bad things, but think on these things. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are lovely. Think on things that are godly. Once again, if you're waiting for external impetus for you to think positively about yourself, you're going to be waiting a long time. Which leads back to, are you lovable? When I was single, I'm telling you, I wasn't attracted to someone who wasn't confident. I was not attracted. She could be the finest thing I saw that day. But guys, we have this, and men, I know some of y'all may not want to admit to this, but we have this beacon. We can, <laughs> we can point out someone who's thirsty. We can point out a female. Guys, I, I, know, I know some of y'all are sitting next to your girlfriend or your wife. They might not want to admit it, but we have this ability to point out the easy one in the crowd. Whether we want to admit it or not. All my brothers who want to admit it, say amen. amen. All right. I'll talk about me. All right. Honestly, when I wanted to do wrong, how many of y'all remember the college days? Some of y'all that went to college. And now I was not the dude that was trying to hit on a lot of people, but if, if we were walking to a room, maybe like the, the, uh, the, the game room, or the, they call it where I went to college, they called it the student center. We had pool tables and, and, and video game rooms and places to hang out. It wasn't long before we would figure out which one was easy, which female was easy. Now, some guys was attract, were attracted to that. That wasn't me. But if you look, when I look back on it, those females were easy because they had a low self-value. Back to my point is, are you lovable? Do you love yourself? What are you basing your self-worth on? Are you basing your self-worth on what your mom or dad did or what the world says about you? Or are you basing your self-worth on what the word of God says about you? I think I made the point. All right, so once again, if you are unmarried, asking yourself the first question, are you lovable? Number, point number two, when I was asking God about why do people find more people than others, why do some females happen to find more men, God said, are they findable? If you're a single female, for real, are you findable? Or single male, are you findable? Meaning, <laughs> some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? For real, are you findable? F-I-N-D-A-B-L-E. <laughs> findable. All right, this is not my church. This is Pastor Gregory's church. All right? So I'm not going to say anything that's against what he said. But we even we realize that if you go to church and go to home only, <laughs> church and home, slim chance. <laughs> I'm just trying. Can I be real? Church and home only, slim. I've been, I've been in church. <laughs> 
This is a funny story. I used to volunteer in the ministry room at, a, at, at one of the churches. Our ministry rooms used to sit on the second row right here. So if this was a pastor, the ministry room actually used to be on the second and third row. No, third row. So there were times I'd be on the third row, right? And a new dude, a new first-time visitor, male, would come in the door. And, you know, how we used to, back then we used to have the first-time visitor stand up early in the service. It was right early in the service. And I could look around and say, okay, how many women are going to approach him after service? And but I'm not even joking. And I'm talking about my single days. That dude would make it to, like, the door and be like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking, I'm just trying to make the point, are you findable? Let's get practical. A lot of us, we work. Are you a part of any trade organizations? Do you do other things outside of church? Like, for example, um, my background is technology, so I'm a part of a couple technology-based organizations. Honestly, nowadays, there are a lot of females there at the trade meetings. At work, are you succeeding? Once again, number one, do you love yourself? Are you lovable? But then are you places where you can be found? For real. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be super spiritual about that at all. <laughs> I'm not talking about like at the gym where you, you're not going to the gym to work out. You're going there to be found. <laughs> Got your new Under Armour yoga pants, your new Under Armour shirt. Ain't no sweat, just glisten. <laughs> where the men have. But seriously, ask yourself that question. Are you findable? (laughs) Can I give another point about that? Don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. Like, Lord, I can only meet him at linked up church. He got to go to our church, God. (laughs) You're putting God in a box this small. And then when God sends them your way, you're like, dude, what you want with me? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my next point. <clears throat> Getting ahead. Don't put God in the box. I ask you the question, are you a part of any organizations? And this goes back to your, your purpose. Are you really pursuing your purpose? Because when you are, you actually run across a lot of people while you're on your path down your purpose. My wife and I, we did go to Raymond Bible Training Center, which some people call it Raymond Bridal Training Center because so many people go there and leave married in a year and a half, two years. But that's a long people walking down their their purpose. Are you findable? (laughs) Can I make a point about are you lovable? I, I missed it earlier. Broken singles lead to broken marriages. If you're a broken person as a unmarried or single person, you you will have a broken marriage. I'm going to stay on this point here. If you have an issue, if you have a problem with obeying God as a single individual, how much more obeying what the Word of God tells us when we're supposed to submit one to another in marriage? Because that, that scripture, above the one that says wives submit to your own husbands, above that one, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Ephesians chapter 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> we're, doing good on, we're doing well on time. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then 22 is one all of us know 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. If you, and notice it says, as unto the Lord. So what I'm saying is, if you are unbroken single, meaning if your life is broken, your self-worth is down in the dumps, and you can't obey God as a single saint, how much more when your wife or husband says, honey, can you give me a, can you, can you go get me a tank of gas? Can you go upstairs and get my shoes? When your husband or wife asks you to do something that you don't want to do, you're going to be fighting. Like, no, I just got off work. Because you haven't mastered obeying God. Even in the small things. Are you lovable? Are you findable? I'm talking about marriages in the church. I'm not talking about marriages out in the world. I, I, I expect marriages in the world to be broken. Because they don't have any basis for what they're doing. They're basing it on Martin and Gina. They're basing it on the Cosbys. Not us in the church. They're basing it on whatever the current <laughs> blackish, which I love that show. They're basing their marriage on those shows and not based on what the word of God says. How many of y'all watch the show Blackish? It is funny. My kids can't watch it because they cuss too much. But <laughs> the show cuss too much. But we watch it. Funny. All right. Question number three. Oh, this is a big one. Big one, big one, big one. Y'all ready for this? Are you approachable? Are you approachable? This is big. Are you approachable? Ask yourself, the single male or female, are you approachable? If someone of the opposite sex walks up and says, hi, how are you? What is your response? Is that a valid question? I, I see some guys shaking their head like, oh, you, you don't know. Are you approachable? As a man, as I said before, one thing about my wife that I, I recognized even before I, w- I walked up to her, she was, she was very friendly. I saw her. She just walked in the back of the room. Hey, babe. <clears throat> When I walked up to her and asked her for, for her name, she didn't ask me a whole bunch of questions. She told me her name. She even laughed at my corny jokes, too. <laughs> okay, guys, help me out here. Do we like rejection, guys? No. Do we like rejection? No. no. So if you say something weird back when we say, hi, how are you? <laughs> We might come back with something stupid like, nobody wants you anyway then. <laughs> Talk, that, that's some of that deep East Texas coming out of me. Are you approachable? What does your demeanor say about you? When you're going throughout your daily life, what does your face say about you? <laughs> now, I'm known for making faces. I get kids, I get, it's hard for me to hide how I'm feeling. It is. Because my face show it, and it's, it's all over my children as well. If they're unhappy, their face will show it. Like, if you're happy, if you know it, no, if you're happy, they show it on their face, and so do I. <laughs> Turn with me to Proverbs chapter, <laughs> Proverbs chapter 18. Interesting scripture here. 
Proverbs chapter 18. Just try to give some practical points about are you approachable. <laughs> this is a good one. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man that has friends or a man that wants friends must, must show himself friendly. See, I'm based in the Bible. So if you're wondering why you haven't been approached recently, ask yourself, are you mean as a snake? <laughs> are you mean? For real? I, I'm not, I, I said that kind of funny. Mom, that's a serious question. Are you approachable? Because you can be the finest thing or the most handsomest thing coming. You can have everything put together. You can be driving all the nice cars. But if you get out with this attitude, I'm telling you, an average guy or average girl has, wants nothing to do with it. Nothing. Are you approachable? Wow. <clears throat> Are you approachable? Hmm. So, as I was asking God about that question, I mentioned that I started with the question of why, do, why does it seem some women can find two or three husbands and some can't find one? God just gave me those questions to give to you all so you can ask yourself the question. It is his desire, yes, that you find the right mate. But if you're not ready for the right mate or if, you haven't, if you're broken right now, just be aware of where you stand. Be aware of looking at yourself in the mirror and being honest with yourself. Amen? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm findable. I'm approachable. I think I'm lovable. <laughs> God will speak to you. Huh. And then I want to end, I want to end with this point, and I, I mentioned it earlier. <clears throat> Even when we do all those things, it's important for us to remember that it's God's job to provide for us. It is our job to stay in faith. It is when we get ahead of God that we mess things up for ourselves. Is when we are wanting to do it so bad that when the first thing breathing comes and say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you go, I am fine. Here's my number. Here's my cell. Here's my Facebook page. Here's my Twitter account. Here is, and then let, let the process work itself out. Are you, t- <laughs> question number four, are you too findable? <laughs> Are you presenting yourself to every Tom, Dick, and Harry? You know what I'm talking about, too. Are you <laughs> too findable? But the point, the last point I wanted to make is let God do his part. God's job is for us to, I mean, it, it's our job to have faith in God. It's God's job to work it out. He says, God says, I will supply your every need. I will supply. God says, I will supply your every need. So whether you're currently married or marriage is in your future, your spouse or your wife or your husband is not the one that's responsible for taking care of your needs. God is. Put God back on the center. I love that song. It was the perfect one for tonight. God is supposed to be the center, the center of our lives. We are to look to God to fulfill our needs. Speaking to the, the mayor, for, mayor for, for just a second, 
If we are looking to our wife or husband to meet our every need, we've put them in the wrong place. We have put them in the wrong place. If I can't control my flesh physically, my wife can't really do anything about that. If I have issues controlling my flesh as a man, no matter how many times my wife says, yeah, we can do that, it won't be enough because I haven't first learned to control myself. No man can be as romantic as, as the books you may be reading that might be bad for you. No man. No man. Because that book was written by a woman. So she gave oh. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't get that. I can go play now. So once again, just to, re- just to recap the points. The spiritual points at the beginning was marriage is only an earthly institution. So remember, in, in heaven, we won't be married. Point two was that Jesus is our bridegroom and the church is the bride. We look to Jesus for our needs being met. And then if you are single right now, are you lovable? <laughs> are you findable? And are you approachable? Amen? Last but not least. Don't try to take care of your own needs. Put God back on the throne. We prayed for some of you all earlier that might be going through emotional issues uh, or maybe stressing and having a high level of stress. One thing, about pra- one thing I love about praise and worship is when we give praise and worship to God, it elevates our thinking. It elevates our perspective. Remember, the Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. How much more is your rent bill? Or should I say, how, how little is your rent bill compared to what God owns. God cares about your emotional needs. He cares about your physical needs. He cares about your financial needs. But don't put men in God's place. Don't put a woman in God's place. Amen? Amen. All heads bowed, all eyes closed in prayer. Now, I know this is a Thursday night, and most often we have a room full of believers, but I want to take this opportunity there might be someone in here who doesn't know Jesus. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave.